Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. This week, I am talking to Hannah Ellis, a designer, a writer, and a teacher currently based in London. Hannah is a recent graduate of the Royal College of Art and a lecturer at Sheffield University, and writes frequently for the Creative Review and, uh, and a bunch of other publications. Her work really centers around exploring the intersections between graphic design and education through projects like publications, writing, lectures, and workshops. I only recently discovered Hannah and her work, actually. Earlier this year, Creative Review published an essay that she had written about monographs that I just loved, and it was exactly the kind of writing that I feel like I talk about and so many people that I talk to talk about wanting more of. So I obviously quickly went back and read everything that she had written and just really resonated with what she was talking about and the types of writing she was doing and knew immediately that I needed to get her on the podcast. So in this episode, we talk about her background and growing dissatisfied with her work as a designer and the design industry at large and her decision to go back to school to focus on writing and teaching, as well as her current work and how she thinks about uh, the kind of writing that she's doing now and how she's teaching her students and, and the kind of general state of contemporary design discourse. I know I say this a lot, but this one really was a, a fun conversation for me. It was really nice to talk to someone who's had a strangely very similar career path and similar interests and desires when it comes to design writing and practice and criticism. And I think Hannah has a voice that uh, we're going to hear a lot more from over over the next couple of years. So I'm excited to share this one with you. This is my conversation with Hannah Ellis. You're a little bit different than some of the other people that I've talked to for the podcast because I actually only just discovered your work you know, maybe two months ago or something like that. And, yeah. you know, you had written this great piece for Creative Review about monographs that was really, really brilliant. It was a really great piece of work. And then I went back and read some of your other work. But I don't actually know anything else about you other than what I've been able to find on your website and and things like that. So I thought, yeah. you know, maybe that would be a good place to start. And then we can kind of connect that to your current work in the monograph piece a little bit. But I, I'm interested a little bit in your background and and kind of where your interest in design came from. Um, okay, so well, I graduated um, from sort of graphic design about five years ago, but that was like, I'd taken like a really, really sort of awkward route. So I started off doing architecture and then like decided that kind of wasn't for me. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Because uh, it's like super hard, but um, <laughs> I went I went back to the foundation course and stuff, and um, yeah, I, I did graphics and I worked in a studio, so that was like maybe 2012, I guess. Um, okay. And I got this studio job at this like amazing studio in um, Sheffield, um, and I was working there for about two or three years, and I I think actually from what you was just saying earlier that our roots into MAs might have been quite similar and yeah. prompted by similar things because I, I was doing all this stuff and it was great work and they they were sort of um for a commercial design studio they were really 
interested in a lot of cultural projects they do a lot of exhibitions and stuff now and they're doing some really really interesting things um they got bought by a sustainability company as well so they they were doing this yeah so amazing work amazing content and it's really really great um I just started to struggle with the sort of I don't know I felt a lot of graphic design in general and not specifically what I was doing but just in general was kind of um superficial really um and I I was starting to really really struggle with it so I I was sort of a always toying with this idea of doing an A and I got into the Royal College. Um, So I went and had sort of an existential crisis for two years, which was amazing. And I'd be super interested to hear if Theo had the same sort of decibel problem there. Um, And it it was totally amazing. And it was sort of like an extended um, learning slash therapy session, which was brilliant. But um, I didn't maybe realize until somewhere towards the end that I wanted to do something that was educational, that was more to do with helping people get engaged with topics that they maybe weren't to begin with. So we, I was doing workshops, I was doing like lecture programs. Yeah. Um, and I had this view that I wanted to go into teaching at the end. Um, but about maybe two or three months afterwards I looked back on everything that I'd submitted and it had all been everything had been an excuse to write about stuff oh interesting that use that as a tool for sort of thinking about um things so since then I've I mean I've not really done really any design since I left so that's that's a year ago yeah so I've been I've been teaching two days a week at Sheffield okay um and yeah, I've I've consciously avoided going back into design, even though I was sort of doing bits of it at the time. I yeah, I've made a real sort of commitment away from it. This this is actually really interesting to me because I do hearing that hearing that kind of progression is very similar to my own experience. Also, where I I studied graphic design I worked as a designer and then I kind of had this just like you I had this existential crisis where it's like what is the point of all of this Uh this feels very superficial and and that was one of the reasons why I went back to graduate school and I was in I was going to graduate school thinking that I was going to move away from design and into writing about design you know teaching about design doing Mm -hmm. workshops all the stuff that you're doing but then when I went back to school and I was in that and I was doing all of that other stuff, I realized how much I also still liked the act of designing and, yeah. and realized that all that writing, I actually wanted to put it into practice in my design work also. Do you have? I, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of torn about it because I, I I always did sort of um, a lot of publication-based stuff. Okay. And and it was a lot of print. And so there's there's that element of sort of controlling everything I guess, but I don't have, um, I don't miss it on a day-to-day level. Interesting. What, uh, before you went back to school, I I don't know exactly how to ask this, but I'm like, where, where did that interest, where did your interest in writing and education 
come from or what were you do what kind of projects were you working on where you felt like they were superficial and you were needing something more I mean what well, it wasn't really the the projects that I was doing at the studio because they were all like these right. really sort of meaty projects where you like uh you could be doing a report on like the dairy industry and it's all super super interesting oh, but wow it was it was something I don't know I was I was just looking at I guess this sort of industry around me and yeah. looking at how everything sort of fit together and I was just I just started to get really dissatisfied I guess with it I mean I don't really know exactly what sort of tipped it but I think I think that maybe that came later on uh when I started because obviously when I was doing my uh ma was like freelancing as well yeah yeah Um, and that i think that was maybe actually a bigger trigger where i was like "Mm, i could probably give this kind of commercial stuff up quite happy (laughs) right did you had you done before you went back and got your ma had you done much writing or or teaching or where did that oh i have no no i have no idea where that came from so um (laughs) okay it's i i spoke to um have you spoken to john walters from i at all uh not yet no i haven't he's, he's great. on my list yeah yeah he's brilliant he's brilliant for sort of talking about this stuff but um i had a chat with him a couple of months ago and i was like i've, I've been it's not i it's not really that i'm trying to write for anything it's more that i'm trying to understand stuff right. through writing because i can't i don't often feel like i can get it out verbally right and he was like oh yeah that's like what every writer feels and I was like oh right okay I thought it was just a weird thing that I wasn't really getting to grips with but um he was he was great to talk to about it um but I realized like I was doing stuff like I would have an elective brief to do and I'd be writing and then I'd get to the end and I'd be like, oh, I've got I've got this piece of writing, but I haven't got a piece of design. <laughs> and it sort of didn't necessarily link up in my brain that that was a, essentially visual communication as well. And that was as valid or that that might be my practice. And I was, right. yeah, I mean, it was pretty much everything that was stuff that I wanted to think about. I'd sort of write down. Mm-hmm. and not show anyone or not tell anyone about it. It would, it would just be on my computer. And then I sort of looked back through everything. And I was like, oh, right, this is what I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you, do you know, um, I talked to Michael Rock from 2x4 uh, uh-huh. a, about a year ago now for the podcast. And he said something really interesting that has stuck with me, uh, where he said that uh, design is an elaborate form of writing. And that you can both kind of see them as this kind of collaged process where you're taking these bits that already exist in the world and you're kind of putting them together, collaging them together in a new way. And writing is you're taking, you know, essentially pre-existing words and putting them together into sentences, into paragraphs to form some sort of idea or point of view. And design, you do that with text and image and you take all these things that are in the world and kind of cohere them into this new thing. Mm-hmm. Do you, yeah. I, I'm interested, the reason I bring that up is I'm interested in how kind of your design background, you know, plays a part in in your writing process or how you think about, you know, how you're seeing these things in the world that you're wanting to understand. How does that kind of design education filter into putting together a piece of text? 
Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I basically, I, I guess, um, I I hope everyone else sort of feels similar in the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and especially with with writing, I think um, because it's never something that I've done like sort of formally in some kind of um, accessible way, other than like obviously putting stuff out to be published like I've never really the the only thing I can compare it to is like a sort of a guest publication in terms of that building that narrative making sure that you're you're keeping some kind of like pace and quite easy thread through everything right. to keep on a journey with you but I mean I, I in terms of like yeah no I have no idea what I'm doing with it I'm just sort of like doing what seems to feel right and hope that that works as a thing yeah oh wow so okay so i have i have one other question about that and then i i want to kind of um connect i want to talk about the monograph piece a little bit it's like a almost like a case study in Mm -hmm. in this so so my first question is going to be this kind of general question and i want to ask specifically around that piece um i'm curious kind of when you were in school and when you had kind of started you know kind of started doing some writing while you were studying and started to kind of understand what your practice was what were the and and you had also mentioned that you were kind of using writing as this way to kind of understand things you were seeing what were the the subjects or the topics or like what were the things you were writing about when you first started to kind of understand this new practice for yourself oh um so I think the first one was um so it was about uh you know um you know gift shops in museums and stuff yeah so we had um I did this elective that was called research design publish um and it's it's like I mean that probably tells you what you need to know about it actually but um <laughs> yeah. it uh we had this uh archive project project and we went to the Freud archives, I think it was, and everyone was there like, oh, there's so much stuff and it's all super interesting and I don't know what to pick. And it was that kind of moment of realisation for me where I was looking at all the stuff on offer and I was like, well, that's all so interesting that how can you possibly choose anything? Right. And so I wandered off from everyone and like I was looking around the gift shop and I thought that was like way more interesting as a as a platform for sort of learning in that kind of environment. Mm -hmm. And so I did this sort of, um, I guess, critical piece on what gift shops mean and um, like interviewed people for it. And it was this really extended piece. Um, And I mean, it was quite nice because I sort of had this idea in my head what I thought about everything until I did all the research, until I wrote, through everything and wrote through my thoughts almost and then had this completely different thing at the end um so that was maybe the first one and then which it was pretty fun and then because I think the thing that sparked it was in the gift shop there's these Freud Sigmund Freud um slippers which is a crazy thing to have in like a, a yeah an arc of a, a museum that's about all this super interesting stuff. And then we're like, oh, okay, so here's Sigmund Freud turned into slippers. 
and we're selling them and actually I found that really just an interesting amazing little sort right. of nuance that exists in that space next to all these really like deep books but um yeah and then I did I think the the next do like a larger project afterwards and um the next one was about I was looking into arts education in schools and I sort of looked at how like professionals do or don't get involved with um, the education system at that sort of level and how that might help is it how you might design some kind of workshop around that and the thing that I submitted at the end for so you have an exhibition and you have like a little symposium thing and yeah the, the thing that I submitted for that was actually like a hundred page book of stuff that I'd written down and oh, research wow. yeah and I mean it wasn't like that makes it sound huge but it, it wasn't that big but it was like me working through this massive body of this of work and this massive right massive social problem right really that sort of related to my discipline and um yeah I mean so it's really really varied huh. to begin with but then yeah it was it, it seemed like the only form that I could get everything that I thought out there yeah do you and I felt graphic design didn't really uh, encompass that enough form yeah do you I it's interesting I I have one more question kind of around that that I'm, I'm I don't mean to have you kind of you know define yourself or put put edges on on your practice but it's interesting I, I I'm hearing this kind of interesting thing where you were kind of having these ideas and and graphic design was not feeling sufficient in in uh allowing you to kind of express or explore these ideas but then you're also i'm also kind of hearing you you say that that you kind of have no idea what you're doing as a writer and you're kind of making it up as you go i'm i'm interested like would you call yourself a writer now or or, or how do you define your practice today um i still i still say designer okay um just i guess just because like um it's something that I know how to do and I know how to do it quite comfortably. And if I need to go back to it, like right. I, c I can do that. Right. Um, and I, I saw someone had written somewhere that they hated designers who uh, called themselves writers after having like a couple of things published. And I was like, Oh yeah, that would be exactly what I'd be doing. Right. Yeah. That's me. Um, I'm one of those people. I think <laughs> I can't remember who it was. I think, I think it might've been Michael Rock actually, oh. but um, <laughs> no, I, I don't feel, I guess, confident in my writing practice mm -hmm. enough yet to say that. But then I guess there's something really nice in stating that and acknowledging yourself as that. So, I, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. But right. Interest that's, I, that's interesting. I guess because I, I am an associate lecturer as well, that sort of probably takes precedent over... Right. right it's something that I can easily describe to someone right well I want to come I want to come back to kind of the the lecturing and the teaching uh -huh. part in a bit but I want to I do want to talk about the monograph piece and since we were kind of talking about your writing process a little bit and how you think about your writing I'd like to kind of dig into that a little bit uh if that's okay with you because mm -hmm. it, it so I mean so first of all I, I've told you this already it was a 
a, a really excellent piece. I really loved it. Uh, and it very kind of rightfully so got linked around on all the people that I follow on Twitter. And I was really excited to see it getting shared so widely because, uh, you know, it was so great. Um, and it was something that was really interesting to me personally, because I had, I've been thinking about monographs for a couple years now and wanting to write something about them, but I couldn't figure out my way into them or what it was about them that I was bothered by. Uh, and then you, and then you come out with this piece and it's basically like exactly the thing that I had been thinking about and you did it so much better than I would have done anyway. Uh, so I, I'm curious kind of where the, what the origins of that piece were and kind of how long you had been working on it and thinking about this, this idea. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know where the like exact origins are. I think it's, I think it's one of those things that, that had just been pissing me off for ages <laughs> yeah. in a, in a, like a really similar vein. Um, right. but, um, so it sort of stemmed out of, I mean, there was the, the GBH piece before that, which had been specifically a review about one oh, right. monograph. Right. Um, and that, I mean, that was kind of what started everything off because that really sort of riled me up. Um, and I think, I, I mean, I started a little bit salty, I guess, because that, that yeah. didn't go down too well with those guys. But um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so I, I sent Patrick at Creative Review uh, that first piece and then um, we, we were just sort of in discussion about it and he was saying, well, what, what books are good? What, what are the ones that you would want your students to read? And then, like, what is the bigger issue in mm -hmm. that landscape? And so that's sort of where that came from. So it was maybe, like, I think it was only a couple of months between the first maybe a month before between the first one and the second one so it gave but the um, I guess the first one sort of gave me a really nice opportunity to really really think about it in right. one case and right. then apply it to sort of the larger celebrity culture around it right I mean you know what I'm curious like the kind of you know, the really kind of day-to-day -day process of, of writing that also and, and the kind of, you know, what kind of research did you do? And uh, and the reason, the reason that I ask that is because I think it hit on something that I've been thinking about a lot, at least in, in regards to kind of American graphic design. And I don't, I'll admit that I don't know how much of this is international, but so much of design writing and design discourse is you know for lack of a better term celebrity driven mm -hmm. uh and very kind of uh personality driven and you kind of deconstruct that a little bit and really kind of piece apart you know pick apart why that may be and how these monographs uh perpetuate that um but then you then you go into some things that you know you talk about kind of a lot of different things around that and, and and you know what was that process like and how did you kind of think about structuring the piece and working through and, and hitting all of those points um I'm, well it's, it's uh, yeah I mean it is I think um it is 
like international in that regard. And yeah. in, in terms, it is for uh, for me in terms of the books I've seen, it's very much who is going to sell the books because it it has to be around someone, right? So, right. I in terms of research, a lot of it. I mean, it's I just find looking at this stuff anyway is kind of interesting but a lot of the stuff that I was hearing from my students was about oh this this person thinks that and I'd be like well why do you care about what this person thinks because they're just completely irrelevant and they're not doing anything that interesting Mm -hmm. um but they've got this they've got this platform with a book um and and that that book means something when you are really still young and also like not quite sure what you're doing in the industry yet or what your place might be in that and they I think the students I was dealing with was so impressionable that this sort of stuff was just really really unhelpful um so but in terms of um I mean I read a lot anyway and I read a lot of uh, stuff anyway (laughs) in terms of research that just sort of seems to build up naturally but yeah right I guess um it was more sort of just getting my thoughts out in maybe the space of a, a week and just really oh lying. wow okay. is that a lot or no that doesn't seem like a lot oh my god okay right so I have no idea so this is okay. this is really helpful for me because I have no idea if what I'm doing takes a lot of time or not a lot of time <laughs> and so this is like genuinely the first time that I've spoken to, to someone who writes articles yeah. and doesn't really like and has an idea of time scales and stuff and yeah well I mean I, I mean how many words were that was that piece um, I think it was like nearly 2000 okay yeah I mean it was just it, it seemed like a longer for for the amount of kind of references that you included and kind of where where the piece started and where it ended it did not end where I thought it was going to end which which made me think that this was part of some sort of longer process because because you did have a lot in there and you covered a lot of different things so the fact that that was only done in a week to me is very <laughs> very impressive well, I'm interested to know then, like, where where did you think it was going to go? Well, in terms of the, I guess, in terms of the sort of argument. Yeah, well, you know, I, what I, where it went that I was not expecting was that I did not expect it to go into what you just said about kind of young designers and how impressionable these books can be on them and that because of that these books need to have some sort of kind of critical component to them so young designers can be thinking about their point of view and what what these designers mean in their own practice instead of just kind of mindlessly copying the visuals Mm -hmm. um which that i did not expect it to go into but i think is very very spot on and it's something I, I would like to kind of talk to you about um wh- and I kind of s- maybe selfishly thought that it was going to go into uh kind of the angle that I had been thinking about monographs which is um and I 
I had I just recently talked to Tony Brook of Unit Edition, so he and I talked about monographs a little bit also. So this is something that's been on my mind again recently and is kind of the production of monographs, uh, which is kind of where I thought you were going to go in that, you know, there are a lot of designer monographs like the Draplin one you mentioned, which is kind of made by him and he's kind of the only voice in it versus something like the the one that I always think of as, as a very interesting monograph, uh, and it's actually in architecture, not in, in graphic design, is Rem Coolhouse's SML XL, uh-huh. which is yeah. very which I would very much call a monograph, but has all these other kind of voices in it and kind of deconstructs projects and is not even though it is kind of at a surface level a very glorified portfolio it's very hard to actually kind of get into and understand in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something very interesting about that compared to a uh, Draplin, just because that's the example you use, where it is just Mm -hmm. kind of a portfolio. Um, And so I'm interested in the construction and production of them. And I thought you were going to go into that, but you took it into this other area about their influence on, on other designers. I mean, I guess it's all sort of linked because, like, w- with the the Draplin one, it's so easy to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and another thing that I was hearing from a lot of students is that, like, you can get through a degree and never read. Right. And that kind of book has all the elements that make it seem like a proper book, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have any of the content to match it. So it's sort of like it's a bit of a smoke and mirror kind of thing um i mean for me i really i really sort of think that objectivity for a monograph is so important i mean i just don't i don't understand how it just it just seems a bit weird to write about yourself yeah for that many pages but um yeah i mean i think you also can't really say anything to critical about someone if they're I, I have this thing with um I think units units books are amazing um I think they're I mean the the one um about Le Ballin he's and his, right. his life and maybe how he, he wasn't always the easiest person to work with I thought that was kind of interesting um I I always wonder if um monographs about people who are still practicing are right right because obviously i mean they're still practicing right so you you don't really want to be like oh hey they're they're awful and i really hate this piece of work that they've done so i mean this it's so complicated yeah it's really really complicated and it's yeah i think it's still this primary source of of learning for a lot of uh, especially the younger students. Yeah. So I have uh, uh, that that raises a couple other questions for me that I'm very curious to kind of hear your thoughts on. Um, and the first one is is I want to talk about this kind of influence on students a little bit because it I've been I've been thinking a lot about the kind of perpetuation of certain visual styles. Yeah and. Um, 
I also do some teaching and, and, you know, would watch presentations from students who would kind of start with this kind of grand idea about a thing that they want to make. And then the end result would have a kind of popular visual style just put on it at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, wait, why why does this look like that thing, which has no connection to to kind of your idea in the first place? And I I'm I'm see I feel like I'm seeing this a lot more and more. And I think it's because of, you know, these kind of monographs that are just kind of showing finished work instead of process and ideas. But it's also Instagram and Pinterest and all of these kind of visual blogs. Um, and so I'm interested in in kind of your your teaching, I guess, and, and, and you're working with young students, how kind of connecting aesthetics and form to ideas instead of just kind of copying the, you know, kind of major visual trends at the moment. Do you know what I mean? That was kind of a weird way to phrase that question, <laughs> but do you understand, do you know no, what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we were, ta- we were talking about this at Sheffield, um, recently and I think someone was saying that actually it's it's really difficult for these students because I mean they're so what the the graduates this year are like 21 yeah and they're all sort of generally brought up in quite progressive households and they've been taught all their lives that everything is acceptable mm-hmm. and so actually for a lot of them they've never really challenged anything and not because of like like prejudice or anything else but like because they just have it they've just been told that everything is fine Mm -hmm. and so there isn't that critical faculty being built up um and what we've seen is a lot of that sort of comes into and bleeds into their graphic practice so um in in exactly the same way that you're talking about um and yeah it's it's really difficult we um so i run with students this this term a a a little sort of workshop group where it was just focused on typography um and it was about aesthetics and i gave them like a whole bunch of critical texts to read and then produce typographic responses to oh interesting and so they were they were working with this text after saying that they've never reading and they're not reading anything, um, yeah, they were getting these really like difficult texts. So I mean, the first one was politics in the English language. Oh wow! Which I mean, for for someone who's twenty one and yeah, disproportionately dyslexic and doesn't read very often, and then you throw George Orwell into their final year, and you're like, okay, do something with that. Right. Um, it was it was quite a challenge for some of them, but they sort of um, they I mean they stepped up and the group it was a really small group because we were sort of testing it and um, I wanted to keep it small because of that discussion element where they start to explain to each other why they've done everything they've done and it's away from their own project so that actually they've got the freedom to test stuff out and experiment and play with stuff. Um, and what we sort of started to find with that is that it did start to change how they viewed their own work, but it had it it was quite a intensive process for them, and it was quite challenging, I think, to have to make that link between being critical mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how that applies to sort of the visual outcome as well. 
So I don't know if that's actually answered your question, but yeah, yeah, no, but that's <laughs> that's interesting though. I, and it, you know, I get something I've been thinking about a lot. Again, I'm sorry that I keep just kind of you know <laughs> telling you what I, what's been on my mind lately, but. Um, you know, when I started this podcast, and when I went back to this, this kind of connects back to a little bit about what we were talking about earlier about kind of our, our kind of shared general sense that graphic design can sometimes feel feel superficial, mm-hmm. is when I went back to school, and when I started kind of really focusing on my own writing and my own practice as a critic, I feel like I over indexed on the kind of ideas and processes and basically ignored form and style and visuals and Mm -hmm. was so tired of the kind of you know I I've said this to a lot of people I've talked to so so people who listen to this podcast will have heard me say this again but I'm like so tired of the the like logo review where it's like a company redesigns their logo and let's compare it to the old one and talk about how the blues are different or the kerning has changed. Like, I just don't care about that stuff anymore. And I feel like I've, I've started to come back where I've started to realize that form and style and aesthetics can be and often are containers for ideas um, mm-hmm. and for ways of thinking and for points of view and that you can embed meaning into these kind of typefaces and color choices and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to hear you kind of talk about that in relation to your students and in giving them a a text that can be hard to read when you're, when you're 21 years old and making them make design decisions based off of that. I mean, for me, I guess the best example of that is like critical design yeah critical design I think because you you get all this sort of um and you, you look at like Metahaven yeah. and and they're doing this really really interesting stuff but it's also I mean it's th- there's a visual language around it that is sort of a pointer to it right in the first place for other designers but it's also a barrier for sort of everyone else I guess yeah because sort of signals that it's different in some way and um it's I don't know it's I mean it's completely inaccessible as design from sort of a popular right uh, context but yeah I mean but even I do like- so I think I've been on a very similar sort of the thought process journey to you yeah yeah, I mean, we're definitely we're definitely like kind of talking the same language here. I feel like, and even Metahaven, this is something I've talked to with a couple other people. Um, is you know they have a very strong visual style, and now I feel like if designers want to be seen as critical designers or or speculative designers, they just borrow the Metahaven mm-hmm. style and they just kind of slap it on whatever they're working on. And so yes. now that Metahaven style has become synonymous with critical design, even though in a lot of places now there's kind of no kind of critical ideas behind it exactly yeah i mean it's it's yeah i frequently wonder why people are doing stuff. So. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i, I want to come back um because i kind of want to i want to kind of take some of these things we're talking about and kind of apply them to kind of the larger design profession a little bit and you said something interesting uh when we were talking about monographs that i wanted to make sure we didn't forget and that was this idea of kind of 
kind of writing about or producing a monograph about living designers and how do you do that and like add a kind of critical component or or not just be kind of praising and adoring and I'm mm -hmm. interested this is kind of a two-part question but I'm interested in both your own kind of writing work but then also thinking about design criticism at large how how graphic design can have a critical discourse that is truly um you know that is asking the hard questions and isn't just you know kind of pr and journalism and promotion when so much of the writing is coming within the industry also do you know what i mean I'm like 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 d graphic design doesn't have kind of an outside critic it's often coming from people who are practitioners also in that kind of conflict of interest do you have any thoughts on that um i think oh, well that be that would be really really interesting actually i mean i guess where where doesn't like naomi klein someone like that sit into that because was she right. what's her background was she a designer that's a good i don't know i don't actually know what her her background is i don't think she is because i mean i mean she's sort of gone the other way i guess in terms of she she started with branding and then has gone on to other things yeah. but even if I, there, there was something very critical about that whole sphere of right. stuff in no logo so i mean that i but i do i think actually an, an outside perspective would be really interesting because actually the the stuff that we're talking about a lot of the time in terms of and especially in terms of that formal stuff really isn't massively important in the grand scheme right, of things right. um so i think i think that perspective would be um a pretty good one i think part of the problem is it's such a everyone it, everyone knows each other right and everyone's sort of friends with each other and right. i think actually while that is really brilliant as a community thing it doesn't necessarily mean that the work is going to benefit from it. I think what was really great about um, especially RCA and the people that you met in that circumstance, and I'm, I'm sure your um, MFA was the same, in terms yeah. you, you'd find people who were happy to have an argument with you about right. something. And you right. would have this sort of like blazing row about something that kind of wasn't really a big deal but it would give you a chance to really define where you sat on that and you could always sort of rein back afterwards and you'd think about it and you'd go away and sort of calm down a little bit but like I do think that a lot of the discussion around graphic design in particular is very nice yeah and it's let's let's all sort of get along and be quite right. polite to each other. But right. there's so much sniping around like behind people's backs as well. So I don't understand. I I would just prefer like from my own personal perspective, it would be much easier if everyone just said what they actually think thought. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know whether your experience of that has been sort of similar or. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard for me. I think about that all the time and I think, you know, I don't want I don't want this to sound weird, but I think I'm generally a nice kind of polite person. And and I think about it all the time in interviewing people for this is 
how how much of my own opinion do I add into this conversation and not just ours, but in, in any conversation that I do for the podcast? And am I only bringing on and talking to people whose points of view I, I agree with uh-huh. and that I kind of align with their their writing? And how do I, you know, challenge somebody as an interviewer, but still, you know, I, I but then that then if I become, you know, a tough interviewer, then does that mean that it's harder for me to get guests on the show? <laughs> uh, and so that's something that I kind of think about, about kind of all the time. And so I something I'm, I'm curious kind of related to that is, is, you know, kind of what do you think, and you started answering this already, but I'd, I'd like to kind of hear you expand a little bit, is kind of the value of a kind of rich design discourse like how does that make both the profession better if at all and then also kind of our individual practices and in, in the the work that we do what what value does that bring to it um i mean i think being just being objective about yeah. I mean, the the work in general has such a massive benefit. I, uh, I, for me, I, I do feel sort of like a, a lot of designers sort of like the work and the egos have sort of merged a little bit. Yeah. And so having, it's it's really difficult to have this sort of difficult conversation around, okay, well, what is this doing? Is it achieving what it's set out to do? Why is it doing it in the first place? Is because it feels like um you're sort of criticizing the person but you're you're not you're criticizing the piece of work right and for me those two things are completely separate and actually this sort of emotional bit in the middle is I, I totally get why it's there and yeah I mean I get it it's it's just it doesn't that I think that's the thing that the industry maybe struggles with a bit Right. Um, but in terms of the discourse, I just, I mean, I, I, I guess for me, the, the design industry as a whole is sort of in this position where it started out as sort of commercial art and it's now graphic design and it's going through all these changes as everything mm-hmm. else has changed. And everyone is really really busy and everyone is sort of like there is so much visual stuff that is being produced which is amazing and it looks beautiful but there don't seem to be too many points where everyone's sort of pausing and taking a minute to reflect on why everyone is doing what they're doing in the first place and I find commercial design and branding and advertising I find that series of stuff quite personally difficult to deal with um just because I feel like actually there's a lot of it has a lot of sort of knock-on negative effects elsewhere that it could be a really really beautiful piece of branding right but it could also be right yeah I mean right right and that was something you know that that reminds me of something else I'm sorry to to cut you off uh, mm-hmm. a little bit but that reminds me of 
another section of your monograph piece where you kind of started talking about capitalism and and <laughs> how designers are, are should or maybe are not questioning the role of their work kind of in a capitalist system, which I thought was really interesting and and resonates a lot with a lot of what I talk about with people on the podcast is, you know, you know, we can talk about the form and the visuals, but what about the system that it came out of or mm -hmm. the system that it perpetuates also, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a lot of, from what I, the, the pieces that I've read of yours, I think is something that is very interesting to you also. Yeah. I mean, so I had, so, um, when I was, when I was writing about the stuff ahead of the, um, right. election, yeah. Um, which I think is that is that the bit you're referring to when I started? Yeah. Am I, am I mixing up the two? Because I also <laughs> the because you also oh. had the the politics of political design one, so, which I liked a lot. Also. Yeah. I mean, so for for me, yeah, it's the, that whole sort of um, system is really sort of. I, I just have all this, um, I guess, angst around it. Yeah, yeah. And as someone who's not doing terribly well out of it, um, right. I, can, I can sort of see how this this industry that I do have this sort of weird love hate relationship with it feeds into that, and it does sort of feel like not many people have um, acknowledged that. Um, because it is that sort of thing of like, uh, you hear discussions a lot about is this piece of graphic design sustainable? Um, or right. is it, yeah, I mean, is it, are we working for a tobacco company? Is it, and that, that sort of seems like a really easy sort of ethical code to sort of get your head around. And I, I have no sort of objection to it as like an entry point for this sort of deeper discussion of that I mean I I did a review recently for um a book that was about um the Aspen conference oh yeah and so really interesting discussions even then about I mean you've got um Bauhaus emigrants coming over to America and then yeah sort of being dropped into mid-century massive corporate expansion and that's how stuff like, okay, we've got Paul Rand for IBM and everyone looks to it and is like, oh, this is an amazing piece of design and IBM gave him all this creative freedom. And it's like, yeah, but that, like, all this sort of stuff stemmed out of actually a, a principle originally in, at Bauhaus where people right. didn't want doing commercial design and then had to because their lives were torn apart by war and then... Yeah it all sort of got co-opted by business and it sort of continued and just grown exponentially. Right. Um, so again, I don't really know if I've answered your question. Yeah, no, I mean, that was great. That was so, I love that. That's so, um, you know, I'll, I'll admit, I don't even remember exactly what my question was, but that definitely got to kind of <laughs> what I was, was kind of wanting to, to kind of talk to you about. Um, I have just, a couple more questions just to wrap it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them are just, you know, uh, you know, kind of quick and kind of connect to some things that we had talked about earlier. Uh, and, you know, 
this is kind of what what we were just talking about but i'm i'm interested in kind of what your goals are as a writer and and you you mentioned very at the beginning of the conversation about you kind of are writing just to kind of understand how you think about things and we were just talking about kind of what you think is kind of you know maybe missing or lacking in the discourse but what are you kind of hoping to bring or or kind of you know shine a light on through your own writing practice um i guess i i do think a lot of it is based on how i sort of understand the world and it's it maybe may like through that lens of graphic design so it might be looking at stuff that's um outside the discipline but through always sort of through that lens but I I mean I guess my ambition with it is sort of to be writing stuff that like my students would want to read Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't put them off thinking about things critically because actually it's done in a way that is quite accessible right um I've been sending my mum stuff, just <laughs> like double check stuff. So um, yeah. my mum is sort of like my litmus test in terms of. Oh, nice. uh, I I want my mum who isn't involved in design, who doesn't necessarily read a lot, who who hasn't got like two degrees, to be able to understand everything yeah. as well, because I don't sort of see why she shouldn't be able to. Yeah. That's great. Does um, she like how how does she respond? Um she's I don't think she's into design still, but she <laughs> like she, she she gets on with the pieces. So right. it's it in terms of accessibility, it works. She still isn't particularly interested in finding anything out about design, but that's that's fine. That's that's yeah. totally okay. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. But I, I do, I do find that I mean, there is so much critical writing which is brilliant, and the content is so amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just done in a way that you can't right. very often get to, and it, it seems like a shame that the audience is being excluded already just by the form of it. Yeah, yeah, that's been. I feel like again, I feel like we're we're so kind of in agreement with a lot of a lot of things. That's been one of my goals for the podcast is to make design criticism and design theory a little more accessible to people who otherwise might you know not be interested in it and that's one of the reasons why this is a podcast instead of you know a book is uh-huh. you know hopefully it's easier for for students or designers who you know maybe think that they're not interested in theory to kind of hear about some of these topics that are kind of in the in the larger discourse but also isn't talking down or boring to the people who are kind of very much engaged engaged in it yeah I mean and it's it's such an easy format as well right because it like I mean I've listened to them and I'm on the train going to to Sheffield so it's, it's, it's perfect yeah and it leads that leads in perfectly to my last question for you and and I'm I'm very interested in kind of who who do you read or like what's your reading list look like or who are the critics or writers that have really influenced your work or, or even the, the people that you recommend to your students often? Like, like just what's that reading list look like? 
Um, it's, I mean, it's pretty mixed. I, um, at the minute, I guess it's, it's mainly fiction actually. Okay. Um, I'm, cause I'm, I'm just really interested in how you tell, yeah. how you use words to sort of tell a story mm-hmm. and fiction does something, for me, fiction does something that a lot of nonfiction doesn't do. And it, it, it it's much more visually rich. Yeah. Um, but um, I've one of the people I've really really liked is Tom Junard. Oh yeah. So I think he, what he does in terms of journalism is just incredible because he, there's there's so much yeah narrative and scene setting and it's yeah. so descriptive as well as informative that you almost sort of learn about the story by accident. Right. So I'm really interested if you can do that in terms of criticism. I think people like, I mean, Zadie Smith's essays yeah. are yeah. brilliant. Um, in ter- oh yeah, I mean, design criticism. I, was it? Um, oh my god, I don't want to get his name wrong. Hang on, is it Jack Sell? Yeah, yeah, uh, the you real review. Yeah, yeah. So I think his his stuff's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, as well. I talked to him guy- actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a guy called um, Ollie Wainwright as well who does oh, architecture yeah. and he is brilliant um, but yeah I'm, I'm really interested in whether you can sort of bring that sort of creative non-fiction right. space to critical thinking as well I mean I'm not sure I'm not sure if you can yeah but it's an interesting yeah not not a trick exactly but a, a way to sort of seduce people in and i guess that's the same thing that you do with graphic design as well right yeah i love that i think that was was like a great way to kind of wrap all of this up um hannah thank you so much for for talking with me this was so fun um and i really enjoyed kind of talking to you and getting to know a little bit more about your practice so thanks 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 for for having me. It's been really nice to chat to you. This episode was recorded on July 14th, 2017. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.